Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kauli. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kauli, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kauli. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Boy, are we in immense luck today. So I have the, the dynamic uh, Rich Fetke with Real Wealth Network uh, today. Welcome to the show, Rich. I appreciate you taking time today. Thanks for being here. It's great. Love it. Absolutely. So for our listeners, Rich is the co-CEO of Real Wealth Network, a three-time 5,000-ranked real estate investor network. Uh, they have well over 50,000 members. That's well over 50,000 members. And their group uh, is run by their own 27 employees as well. Uh, Rich uh, leads their company, is passionate about uh, teams, uh, systems, and uh, processes within their own network. He himself is a real estate broker and an investor for a very long time. Uh, and, and the amazing part is Rich brings, uh, he is himself a certified master business coach as well. So he brings in a lot more rich experience from that side of the house as well. Uh, incredible uh, journey with sports. Uh, he is a record holder, bungee jumper, a skydiver, rock climber, mm -hmm. skier, surfer, boy, the, uh, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, they currently live in beautiful Malibu uh, with their daughters. Uh, so welcome to the show, Rich. It, it is an immense pleasure to have you and uh, you're certainly a great personality to listen to. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So uh, give us some background, Rich, as to kind of how you got started. And, you know, obviously, Real Wealth Network is such a big force in the industry today. Uh, so kind of, you know, how that all came about, you know? Mm, well, I mean, Real Wealth Network was really formed out of desperation. <laughs> it was, uh, man, uh, I had just come off a book tour. Uh, I was, like you said, I was a master certified business coach and worked with clients for years. And then I started to uh, get hired to give keynote speeches. And that led to a book deal with Simon and Schuster for my book sure. called Extreme Success. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was on top of my game, feeling great, like life was on fire. And we had a, a seven-year-old daughter, a three-year-old daughter, everything was great. And then one day I just, I noticed this freckle on my leg and obviously I freckles <laughs> being a being a ginger sure. uh, but it was like it looked a little different than the other freckles so I went and got a check it was actually Kathy she said you're going to get to the doctor to get that checked mm -hmm. and she held me accountable anyway it came back as melanoma which is the oh, most boy. deadly form of skin cancer sure. which is usually no problem I you know I had surgeries got it removed but then the doctor asked me to get a CT scan to make sure it hadn't spread and that CT scan showed four masses on my liver. And so mm -hmm. I, over the period of about two months, I went through different tests to find out what was going on mm -hmm. and uh, met with an oncologist. And he said, you have probably about six months to live. It looks like it's moved to your liver. And there's wow, not that's scary. About it. Mm -hmm. it was really scary. So Kathy was a stay at home mom at the time. 
um, she had like a small radio show on a local station that she was interviewing people about personal pe professional development. And so she said, I'm going to find out how to create wealth, how I can make money if, if I'm not going to be around, mm -hmm. um, if Rich isn't going to be around, I'm going to just going to find a way to make money. And so she started to interview um, successful people and found that most of them made their money through real estate. Mm -hmm. And so she came home all fired up and she's like, this is what we need to do. I, th I think this is what I can do. And uh, so she got fired up around that. She started to interview more guests around it. And then I got the, luckily the diagnosis that it was a false positive. The, the masses oh, wow. in my liver mm -hmm. were just hemangiomas that like 20% of all of us have somewhere in our body, just a cluster mm -hmm. of blood vessels. Mm -hmm. um, but they, on all these scans, it looked like it was the cancer. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, they said, Rich, after a PET scan, they said, you're, it shows that uh, you're hundred percent cancer free. Mm -hmm. But that was the kick in the ass <laughs> to get sure, sure. into action mm -hmm. and Kathy into action. So we went out, we bought uh, six investment properties uh, north of Dallas, mm -hmm. uh, single family homes, and mm -hmm. started to do that. And then um, then our friends started to say, you know, can you show us what you're doing? Tell, tell mm -hmm. us more how that worked. Mm -hmm. And so we started to help them. And then one day, Kathy and I, after, you know, a year or two, um, we were meeting in this one cafe one day, and we just started to talk about it. And Kathy's like, you know, it'd be cool to help people, you know, form a little network of investors. So sure. like, yeah. So we came up with this thing and she said, I'd like to keep, have it be real people and keep it real and just create this network of people to help them create, create wealth. And so we're like, why don't we call it real wealth network? And we thought mm -hmm. it was going to be maybe a hundred, 200 investors. Mm -hmm. uh, little did we know that, you know, today in 2020, that we have over 50,000 investors. Sure. Sure. And mm -hmm. we've helped a lot of people get into everything from single family properties to larger group investments and syndication deals. Awesome. Awesome. That's such an inspiring story. I mean, it is a definitely a story of hardship and, uh, you know, all the desperation, as you pointed out, Rich, that I think, you know, detecting melanoma and, you know, when's the, you know, what the next paycheck and how the family is going to survive. It's, it, it's got to be a pretty shocking experience for sure. It was, uh, crazy. It was a crazy time. Awesome. Awesome. Nice to, uh, nice to, uh, you know, also hear that it was a false positive and, you know, obviously you are ways off and all, all great things have happened. Uh, yes, so thank you for now. sharing that. Uh, so Rich, moving on, like, give us some uh, sort of background on sort of, you know, all the different activities within your group and maybe we can kind of delve into some pieces of uh, interesting uh, areas within that perhaps. See, like what are different divisions within your real wealth network? Like how does it operate and everything? Yeah, so there's kind of like, like two major areas of real wealth or three almost it's mm -hmm. like um we've got this area of the the network where we provide just a ton of free education sure so mm -hmm. for you know since 2003 you know um that little radio show that kathy had mm -hmm. she would uh she would come home with a cd remember those <laughs> and uh, it, it would have her show on the cd and then um this is back in the day this 2005 i got this email from apple saying we're launching this new thing called podcasts. Uh -huh. So, um, so I took that CD, I turned it into an MP3 file. I uploaded it to iTunes mm -hmm. and created one of the first real estate investing podcasts on iTunes that took real wealth network and just had us, you know, it just went from this small little group. And all of a sudden we got this global reach. 
And it was just huge for, for mm -hmm. the awareness. Mm -hmm. And so back then, we our main focus was helping people get into single family properties in, in solid markets around the country. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically, the way it's monetized is we're I'm a real estate broker. Sure. So mm -hmm. it's basically a broker to broker referral fee. Mm -hmm. And so when we help someone get into that, we get from the property team that has the property, we get a referral fee. Sure. That's one side of it. And, mm -hmm. and then the other side of it is uh, syndications. And so on that side of thing, and that's where we just, um, basically we work with developers. Our main focus is uh, residential development. Mm -hmm. So we'll partner up with a, with a developer. Mm -hmm. That developer will come to us and often say like, I've got found this amazing property, amazing mm -hmm. piece of land. Mm -hmm. um, I'm getting it entitled or I've already got it entitled. We were the capital partner. We raise the funds. We help advise on what type of properties and build it out. So those are the main areas of the business. Awesome. Awesome. Now, speaking of that, um, you know, was, how was your exposure uh, like to all the social media? Was that something through iTunes, Rich, or was that something that you established the podcast and it suddenly kind of grew, uh, you know, exponentially and it helped you gain more members? What, what were like some of those early days like? Early days? Oh, well, yeah. I remember when we like when we hit 200 members and we were so excited and, you know, then we broke the thousand barrier and all that. But uh -huh. um, I'm an early adapter when it comes to technology. So I'm mm -hmm. always looking at what technology can we, can we bring into the company to get sure. better mm -hmm. and better serve our members. So yeah, I mean, we jumped on that right away. We um, getting the website up, creating a membership based website. Membership is free so people can join, sure. um, but we created a community. So by having people come in and join the network, we can find out more about them and how we can better serve them and then speak to them that way. So yeah, using as far as marketing side of things and social media, you know, everything from using Facebook to Instagram to Pinterest and all that, you know, getting mm -hmm. content out there. Sure. But more than anything, it's, you know, we just, we, a lot of people come to our website because of the education we provide. Sure. Like I said, we, we've pr produced a, a free webinar every week, sometimes several during mm -hmm. this whole COVID thing. We were, we we're doing a, a webinar every single day to deal with the situation. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we're, I think we've produced almost a thousand free webinars now. Wow. So that, that's a huge attraction. People come in to get educated, you know, and of, of the people we educate, probably only 5% of them actually take action and invest. It's I see. Really interesting to watch that. Sure, sure. No, and that's great statistics to hear. I mean, but I, I think as you uh, definitely can relate, uh, uh, Rich. You know, I think all you can do is definitely provide education and kind of guide someone. It's it's obviously up to the to your uh, recipient to perhaps take the action and kind of go through the next steps and things like that. So selection of markets for your, let's say, single family houses and things like that, Rich, what does that process look like? What, what, what things you are looking for? I mean, you mentioned earlier, Rich, that you uh, right out of the gate way early on, you had bought like five, six houses north of Dallas at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. Was there some intelligence uh, built around at the time that you wanted uh, and you kind of said that, hey, these are some of the metrics uh, that we are following and uh, that's why we are going in certain market. Were you kind of that savvy early on or was that something that developed over time? Give, give us some idea of how, how that transpires. 
Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> so it, it, it developed over time. Uh, in the beginning, I guess um, the intelligence part was listening to experts. So mm-hmm. uh, Kathy's show, as it grow, grew larger and had a larger following, she started mm-hmm. to attract some really uh, high-powered guests. So she mm-hmm. had, and this is back in you know, 2005, 2006, she had Kiyosaki uh, on the show. And Incredible. he was talking mm-hmm. about, yeah, how important it is to you know, get out of California Sure. And even before that, actually, I think that was probably 2004 that she had Kiyosaki. He said, mm-hmm. you know, get out of California. Um, he was saying Texas is a, a great area. And mm-hmm. given all the, the reasons as far as employment and job sure. growth and population growth and people moving, mm-hmm. exiting California and going to Texas. So, sure. mm-hmm. um, so we just kind of followed his advice. And mm-hmm. that's why we went to Texas. And that's why we were steering people toward Texas as well, mm-hmm. mostly based on, based on his advice. And then over the years, um, we just started to learn about, you know, what are the drivers and what are the, what makes a good market, what makes a crappy market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just started to investigate that. And then we built a team around it. So then we brought in experts who had expertise in mm-hmm. finding markets, people who mm-hmm. understand the economics of it, people who understand um, single family properties. We hired someone who worked for a turnkey operator mm-hmm. for years and brought him in, uh, not as a turnkey operator, but to actually vet turnkey operators to look at sure. uh, what are their business practices, you know, doing mm-hmm. background checks, looking at the quality of their rehabs. Mm-hmm. So built really, I think the, the most intelligent thing that we did was bringing in experts onto our team sure, more than sure. trying to figure it out ourselves. Right, right. No, and that's the way to go. You know, obviously teaming up with experts and kind of, you know, going to that next level definitely helps. Uh, so obviously now, Rich, you are into many different markets, you know. Uh, how, what are some of the signs you look for in various markets? Is it something that, hey, there is a great job growth, uh, you know, some population growth, or are you looking for some opportunistic places where, you know, you can always make an argument that, hey, something is not on the radar of national news currently, but perhaps there is some industrial development going on that can spur, you know, a lot of additional auxiliary development around it. Is it, is it some of those factors as well? Could you maybe describe that process? What, what exactly goes into your selection of markets? Absolutely. A hundred percent. So we're in about right now we're in 16 different markets around the mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more before it was a little bit more in the Rust Belt. Now it's more in the Sun Belt. Uh-huh. Um, so in these 16 different markets, what drives that is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, obviously we're looking for population growth. We're looking for um, job growth. We're looking for a diversified economy. So not just one big, and this is learned from mistakes. Kathy and I invested uh-huh. up in um, Meridian, Idaho, near Boise, Idaho. And mm-hmm. when 2008 hit, we just got crushed because it was only one, you know, one major employer out there uh, mm-hmm. that was driving everything. So mm-hmm. now we look for obviously a diversified job market and exactly what you're saying. We look for the path of progress. What's going to mm-hmm. be happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned that in North of Texas where um, it was just luck. We bought these properties just not really knowing. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that they were putting in a major freeway connecting Dallas out to these outs to this these suburbs sure. mm. and so it was under development and when they finished that it was a game changer because all of a sudden all the people from the city now could you know could could move out there and have a faster commute so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. awesome, like, awesome. Yeah, things that looking at what's what's happening talking to local property managers i think is super valuable 
getting in and saying, what's going on in your market? What do you see? What's changing? What's coming? I think you can get a lot of valuable information from local property managers. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. I mean, these are the folks who have sort of ear to the ground, as we say. I mean, they know what's coming, what developments are happening, you know, which uh, sort of headquarters are coming in and things like that. Uh, are there any, uh, like, other things uh, uh, rich in this, like perhaps, like for example, when we talk about selection of market, right? How long does it take for you to uh, kind of uh, listen to various people, gather the data and things like that? Is it more like a six month process, year process before you say that, hey, you know what, we're gonna uh, stake our uh, ground here and kind of uh, consider this as next market. Uh, how, mm. how much data and uh, intelligence you collect before you kind of uh, make your move in that market? Well, the cool thing is it's gotten faster and faster. So it used to take us about six months uh -huh. to do a full vetting, to really check out the area, to actually fly out there, um, talk to property managers, look at properties, meet property teams. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's we've gotten that down to about three months now. Awesome. Um, Tim, mm -hmm. who's our director of uh, property teams and oversees our SFR brokerage, mm -hmm. uh, he's the one who has the expertise in turnkey and who came from that turnkey um, world. Sure. And mm -hmm. so now he's got a he's a Six Sigma black belt, which is pretty awesome as sure. far as process uh, control and all that. Sure. So he applies those lessons and he just he keeps honing it and honing it and honing it. So now. Um, we don't go out searching. We don't have to go out searching now. Basically, we have so many companies coming to our website because they know about real well. Sure. They'll come and say, hey, I'd love to be a property team. Hmm. And so that, that goes to Tim. He does an initial you know, phase one, looks at them, looks at the market, looks at what are the drivers of the economy. And you might just say, no, sorry, you know, you guys are, you're not coming close to the 1% rule here for, for rents or, you know, for cash flow. Mm -hmm. um, and, or he'll do a background check on the operator and say, you know, no, I found this stuff and, you know, your reviews are not good or whatever it is. Uh, but when people make it or a market makes it past phase one, and then if the property team makes it past phase two, mm -hmm. then he'll fly out and then, then he'll check out, he'll walk their properties. He'll look at what they're acquiring before it's getting fixed up during and after. Mm -hmm. um, but also what we're doing a lot now, we've, now we've moved into 60% of our investors are buying new builds. So now I we're see. working directly with builders mm -hmm. and our investors are, are purchasing these new builds. They put the deposit down, the property gets built, the, the tenant gets put in place and with property management. So, Right, right. I, and I agree with you. I think there's a large trend for built to rent type, uh, you know, investor yeah. grade, great properties for sure. Uh, I mean, on our podcast, we have interviewed several experts who kind of specialize in that niche as well. So it is definitely a growing trend for sure. Now, speaking of, uh, you know, sort of the asset or the houses piece of this rich, like, um, is it something like a mix of existing properties uh, that uh, perhaps uh, some other operators are purchasing them, renovating them and coming to real net network saying that, uh, hey, these may be great candidates uh, for your uh, portfolio to acquire and perhaps you can showcase to your investors. What does that sort of, uh, you know, the investor initiation process uh, uh, look like or maybe perhaps a, a you know someone who has a portfolio who wants to you know kind of come to your network what what does that process look like 
Uh, usually they'll they'll come to our yeah they'll come in they'll join the network so we'll find mm -hmm. out more about them they'll you know fill out a, a, a short questionnaire so we sure. can know them. Mm -hmm. uh, we have investment counselors. We have four investment counselors at Real Wealth mm -hmm. who uh, they all own investment properties. They've been in the game for you know five or more years. Sure. So they really mm -hmm. understand that they've been to all of our the different markets, the sixteen mm -hmm. different markets. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, that investor, uh, you know, most of our investors are newer. They own maybe one investment, none. They mm -hmm. own their primary residence. Uh, some people even come in as renters, mm -hmm. but they want, they, they, they know that they live in California. It doesn't make sense to invest here. They want to get sure. a cash flowing property. Mm -hmm. So they'll go that way. Um, and then we have people who've come to us with, you know, they'll have a portfolio of 50 or, or mm -hmm. 100 properties and they just sure. want to simplify the process. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't want to go out and, they want it more passive, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that process is finding out more about them, what they want. They'll do a, we call it a strategy session with one of our investment counselors, mm -hmm. where they'll sit down and they'll have a like 30 to 45 minute conversation, just looking at where are they, where do they want to go? What's their level expert expertise? What are they looking for? What kind of returns? Are they looking for more cash flow? Are they looking for more appreciation mm -hmm. uh, or a combination of the both? And then the investment counselor will say, okay, well, based on what you're looking for, uh, this market would be a good fit for you. And this market would be a good fit for you. Then they make the connection with the property teams in those markets mm -hmm. that are separate companies. Sure. And then a lot of, a lot of times people will buy property sight unseen. Some people will jump on a plane and fly out and do a property tour and check out. Mm -hmm. I see. And um, another related question in that, uh, Rich, would be is like, let's assume that the property is purchased, right? Um, are these typically um, uh, rented properties initially, or are these investors purchasing the properties and then perhaps leasing them? And what, what, how is the property management piece of it uh, is also handled in this? That's a really good point. Um, they are, so we have two different types of properties that we offer investors and we're really clear. And this is something that we got clear over the years when mm -hmm. we were running into challenges where an investor would say, hey, it's really interesting. I go out to this market and this property team, their rehabs aren't that great and they're okay, but they're, you know, whatever. And their properties are in, in C neighborhoods. And but then I go over to this property team and they're all like a class and they put granite countertops in and all this stuff. And, and so we came up with, we had a mastermind basically mm -hmm. uh, not one of these big expensive masterminds. We, we didn't charge a penny for it. We flew all our property teams in, got everyone. We had about 35, 40 people in the room. And mm -hmm. we talked about, we need to come up with some standards for what sure. is a true, what we called a real income property. Mm -hmm. And we just used real as an acronym. It was, um, you know, rehabbed to, to like new condition and mm -hmm. certain parameters around that. Mm -hmm. It was examined. So we would have you know, appraisers and, and all that to appraised at, at or above market value and had mm -hmm. licensed property management in place. So, so we get very clear standards of about, it's basically about 40 different things on the checklist sure. of, mm -hmm. of that. So that way we can say to an investor, you know, when you buy a property uh, through us, it's, when it's a real income property, you know it's got all these standards. Sure. And one of those standards is that there's licensed property management in place. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about being a network and having and doing these referrals that we hear back from our investors, we follow up with them after they've made a purchase, even six months and a year after they made a purchase and say, how's it going? How's your property performing? How's property management going? 
Mm -hmm. And if we get feedback that something's not that great, we'll, uh, Tim will take that, make a note of it, and we call it our resolution process. So he'll follow up and say, you know, hey, property team over here, you know, we've had three complaints about your property management team. Mm -hmm. uh, and they'll say, oh, okay, they don't want to be kicked out of our network. So mm -hmm. they go and fix that problem. Sure. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really cool. It's almost like we're kind of like a Yelp <laughs> for investors. And they can kind of, they can look at that and they know that if they're working with one of our property teams, mm -hmm. that the feedback that we've gotten from other investors has been positive. Right, right. And I, I totally kind of relate to that sentiment, uh, Rich. And, and, and another, I guess, I guess the sticky question in all of this would be is that, you know, a lot of times the newbie investors who are investing, they probably don't have, uh, you know, the correct expectations aligned. I mean, you know, there could be real cases where perhaps you could be doing everything right, but perhaps, uh, you know, the, uh, someone is so new that they don't understand, uh, you know, what a vacancy is, uh, looks like, or perhaps what a turnover uh, expenses looks like and things like that. Uh, what are some of the challenges you kind of see? Because I'm sure, I mean, uh, as an experienced person as I am for so many years and done property management myself, I, I can kind of almost see sometimes that, yes, uh, sometimes a newbie person can totally not understand, uh, you know, although they may have signed on the dotted line, uh, right. how do you kind of uh, address some of those challenges that perhaps may be coming up? Great question. Great question. It's something that we've worked on for years and we're still learning and we're getting better and better at it, but it <laughs> really comes down, it really comes down to educating the investor, sure. especially if they're new. So <laughs> yeah, even some of our property teams are like, Hey, you're sending these investors over to us. And they come in there, they're clueless or they're asking these stupid questions or what mm. they see as stupid questions. Sure. Mm. And so we put together a process several years ago about mm. what are those key things? What are the, what, one, we ask from our property teams, what are those challenges? And what are, when people get to you, what, what are those questions they're asking you that you don't think they should be asking or sure. where do they seem clueless? Mm. And so we continue to improve our educational system around that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's a whole thing. There's a, there's a checklist even for the investors. It's like, sure. before you connect with one of our property teams, you have to understand this. And it's all these, this is what we expect of you to know. Sure. And so we have a whole bunch of training videos, webinars that our members can attend. So by the, by the time a newbie investor gets to look at one of these properties, they're not a newbie investor. They're sure. educated. Mm -hmm. They know how it works. They know what challenges they can expect. Uh, or expect or, or might run into. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, so that's our process is really continuing to hone that and educate people. So no, so it's not it's, a newbie. On their right, right, right. No, I, I totally, I mean, I want to definitely applaud you for, you know, there's just so much work that goes into it, you know, kind of creating all this, uh, you know, assets and, you know, educating, I mean, you're basically kind of educating several ends of it. So, I mean, I definitely, it's a lot of hard work. Now, talking mm -hmm. about the other side of the house, uh, Rich, about uh, passive investors reaching out to you and, uh, you know, your company uh, kind of partnering with developers and doing, uh, you know, other syndications and things like that. Um, how does that process looks like? Is it like a 506B uh, uh, syndication, which, you know, perhaps is a closed, uh, uh, you know, uh, non-advertised uh, type of, uh, how, what does that syndication nature look like? Yeah, we've done, uh, mostly we do 506B. We've um, done some 506C. 
Um, mm -hmm. you know, just so we can, you know, advertise and, and promote sure. it. Um, mm -hmm. But we lean toward 506B. Um, mm -hmm. And the cool thing about being a network is we, people come into the network for the education to learn more. We can create a relationship with them and over time really get to know them and know where they are financially and sure. really understand and, and vet them and make sure that they are accredited investors. Sure. Um, and then, so then when it's time, when one of these um, development projects comes along and one of our syndications comes along, then we can just reach out to, to them and people are always chomping at the bit waiting for something. And we say, Hey, guess what? Next week, we're going to be making an announcement. We're going to have a developer on, on this webinar and roll it out. And we'll have a couple hundred people on that webinar interested in the investment. So, and they get to ask the developers questions, see the project. That's how that works. Awesome, awesome. Uh, can you maybe share, uh, Rich, some of the success stories around, uh, you know, sort of the development side of the house that you kind of went from land to entitlements to kind of doing all the infrastructure and then build up of houses? Uh, how much is that time frame and what sort of an average cost uh, of these houses? And of course, I understand that it is market dependent, but if you can share some success stories, I'd appreciate it. Sure. I mean, like the, the one that really like got us into it, you know, when we didn't really know that much about it is we, mm. we had, uh, we were doing the single family home thing and we had a developer come to us. Uh, I think it was probably 2009, 2000. Yeah. 2009. And he came to us and he said, Hey, there's this project up in Portland. Uh, this developer was developing these townhomes right in a, you know, amazing place right on the water there. Mm -hmm. He got to about 80% complete and all of a sudden Lehman Brothers collapsed. His financing dried up. He couldn't finish the project. Sure. And so we were able to come in. This developer said it's an, it's, a, he owns, he owes $8 million on this construction loan. Mm -hmm. We can acquire this construction loan for 3 million. Wow. And so mm -hmm. we put it out to our investors and said, this is when we didn't know what we were doing. We just <laughs> sent an email out saying, Hey everyone, um, we're doing this. And, uh, and we raised the money really fast. So like within mm -hmm. a week. So we raised the money for that and, um, turned that project around. This developer was able to come in, finish the rehabs, get it all done. These brand new townhomes and turn around and sell them. And, uh, investors got, I think it was a 22% return uh, on their money for that one. So that was, that was a great one. And then, um, I mean, and then current ones, um, we have a project up in, in Reno where the developer found uh, 80 acres um, right next to Reno, very close to the Tesla Gigafactory and mm -hmm. Amazon is up there and all these, you know, great economic drivers. Sure. And so he found this property and got it entitled and we're building, I can't remember what the, I think it's 80 single, there's two different developments. So, mm -hmm. um, what we were going to do originally was um, entitle this, buy, uh, build some of the properties, mm -hmm. and then sell half of the lots to uh, a, a larger commercial builder. Sure. And mm -hmm. we had offers come in to to buy it for the same amount that we invested into it. Um, that was about a twelve million dollar raise, mm -hmm. and so they were going to come in and they were going to they were going to acquire it for about twelve million, and so that would have left us at you know all the investors get their money back, and then we could just you know, develop the, the other half into properties and make all profit after that. Sure, sure. Uh, but Reno is doing so well and taking off so well that this developer is like, you know what? I think we should just keep them ourselves. I think we should be the builder in it. So that's what we did. We didn't sell to the builder, mm -hmm. kept it now developing those houses up there and 
it's about 50% done as far as completion on the, uh, sure. on the hmm. properties. And so they're already selling. Um, awesome. 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 Now, uh, speaking of, you know, sort of the benefits to the passive investors and things like that, Rich, right? Uh, is it purely a sort of a math and a financial return? Or is it something more than uh, perhaps you are kind of, uh, you know, multiplying or loosely I'm saying this is that you kind of exchange their money and like a 1031 that you go from uh, one deal to other. Uh, how, how does all of that uh, work? Is it mostly project based or is it something you kind of keep on multiplying through various projects? What does that inner workings look like? So you're saying... Um, as far as the investors' funds, do they sure, do they sure. Get so their, get do the they go from like turn around and put it right back into the next indication? Right, right. So was that was that typically how that uh, occurs, or you is it all return off capital, and then you every project is uh, pretty much independent? Uh, uh, yes, is that, is yeah. That, every every project is independent. Exactly. Yeah, we have a preferred return and a, and a, a profit share in after the project's completed. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, most of our investors, I would say when an investor gets into one of our syndication deals, when they get their return of capital, then they put, they put that into another syndication. So I would say it's probably about, I'm just kind of just guessing from what I've seen, but it's like around 60% of the investors in one of our syndications have come from one of our syndications before. Sure, sure. And repeat but, customers, right. Mm -hmm. Repeat customers, but we're, you know, we're signing up about four or 500 new members a month. Wow. Real wealth. Yeah. yeah. So this, uh, this is, and 60% of those and 64% of those people are accredited investors, which kind of blows my mind. So, um, incredible our marketing, our marketing's targeted, I guess the right way. No, no, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's such a cool success story right there. I mean, uh, incredible. Uh, now, uh, Rich, obviously you have such a great background into sports. You are, uh, you know, record holder, bungee jumpers, uh, you know, rock climber and things like that. Uh, I'm, you know, sort of pumped always to kind of equate the, uh, the, the regime, the practice, uh, you know, sort of the routines that go into uh, all of it to come to a professional success. And mm -hmm. a lot of professional athletes then come around and go into like various businesses, whether it's professional, uh, you know, like let's say real estate or any other business ventures, they, they awesomely become successful as well. So I'm curious to know uh, kind of your thoughts from uh, how you kind of adapt uh, the best practices uh, and the routines that you uh, kind of the mindset as well from professional sports and now transferring that directly into something systems related business like real estate and kind of the real world network that you have done. Uh, I would be interested to know your thoughts around it. Okay. Yeah. That's a great question actually. Um, yeah. I mean, I, the, those sports, uh, the sports that I do hundred percent is because they're fun. <laughs> it's an addiction as far as I love the thrill. Um, but that fun comes from not just like, woohoo, there's that part of it and the adrenaline rush and all that. Um, but there's also something that really fun about, like you're saying that the, the training, uh, the consistently getting better. It's one of our core values at Real Wealth is mastery. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone on our team is committed to uh, continuously getting better. I just really believe that as we get better, everything around us gets better. Sure. So there's this, there's this thing about mastery in adventure sports and extreme sports about, you know, like surfing, you know, or skiing. It's like 
honing it, getting it a little better. And so uh, I think some of the big lessons are number one is discipline. Mm -hmm. There's this focused discipline about what's the outcome, what's it look like, how can I improve, how can I tweak the system to be a little better, to be a little better. Uh, and I think one of the, the biggest carryovers for me is fear management. Because in investing, as we know, there, sure. there can be fear, you know, Absolutely. You know, both in, you know, the thinking about the, the outcome and, and all that. So there's something in adventure sports where the fear management has to be there. And I actually look at fear as, as my friend, because it's my, our, our fears have been, we're born with us. They've been with us since we were little kids and they've been there to protect us, to keep us safe. And so there's something in there about listening to the fear. So if I'm going to do a bungee jump, I'm going to listen to that fear. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? My fear is going to say, I need to know that you're not going to die. I need you to check the system. I need you to double check the system, make sure you're hooked in correctly, make sure that the, you're hooked to the cords, that the cords are hooked to the bridge, you know? And so it's the same thing. It's like that fear that comes up with investing or building a business, the same thing applies where you're like, okay, fear, what do you need right now? What are the potential obstacles? What do we need to look out for? And so using that same mindset. And then the third one, I would say the benefit is focus about being present, being in the moment. Um, say it's skydiving, you know, Kathy and I skydive together and it's like you got in, it's you're forced to be in the moment mm -hmm. and in a great way. So it's almost like a meditation. It sounds kind of weird, but it's almost like a meditation. Sure. So mm -hmm. present moment. And so I think that's also a carryover that it works that part of the brain that develops the focus muscle. And then that carries over to investing or building the business or working with someone. It's how to be present in that moment. So I think all those things really, it really helps. I, I love that. I, I mean, this is absolutely my favorite part uh, that, that you said, uh, Rich. I'm, I'm always passionate about knowing what takes and how people transfer their, you know, sort of uh, uh, all the prior experiences and especially the professional sports. Uh, and you re hit, hit nail on the head right there uh, is pretty much that coming from discipline, the fear management part that you spoke about is absolutely key. And I can relate that when I was a new investor, I was passionate about going to houses and checking windows and all the details that perhaps come into a house. And then there was a fast forward after five, seven years, all I needed to know was the address and I would have probably just bought those houses sight unseen because that was the confidence. I was so fear-free. I knew that, yes, if I buy something, I pretty much can renovate anything on possibly. And speaking of that fear management, I absolutely love what you said also about that focus as well. So it's been great, Rich. Um, thank you for coming on. Uh, kindly share with sure. our listeners, uh, you know, how they, they can learn more about you, your network and, you know, different uh, services that you have still going on. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, the best way is just to go to our website. It's realwealth.com. Pretty simple, real wealth. Sure. Uh, and then uh, obviously Kathy's podcast has been around for a long time. It's the real wealth show. Sure. And she also does uh, a podcast that she's done for the last few years. That's a daily podcast called real estate news for investors. So um, I think those are some great resources and and all free. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I greatly appreciate it. And I thank you for spending time uh, with me and uh, my viewers. So it's been a, a blast. I hope to, you know, uh, perhaps have Kathy also at some uh, future episode as well. So uh, I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Rich, for coming. Right. On. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest. Thank you.